What's going on, football fans? We're talking about Nathaniel Hackett, who is out in Denver, third head coach to be fired. We'll talk about what else the Broncos maybe should do, who else should maybe go, and of course, our Yike of the Week here on the Locked On NFL podcast. You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, football fans. Welcome to Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day, and especially thank you to those of you who are here live to watch us talk about the Broncos instead of whatever is going on on Monday Night Football right now as we record this. Uh, leave bad football behind and instead watch Locked On NFL live on YouTube sometime Monday nights, usually. Here with uh, Lauren Cox at Cox Sports One. He does Locked On Bears. I'm Luke Braun. I do Locked On Vikings. And of course, the big news of the day Nathaniel Hackett, at long last, <laughs> has been <laughs> fired. A, a lot of people saw this coming a mile away. Uh, the Broncos will now look for their head coach. He lasted. 15 games or 16 game 16 weeks 15 games and uh that's not great and urban miring if you will although far less scandal <laughs> and uh here's the deal there's a couple things i mean we, we can look at why this happened and we should and then we can also talk about what should they do with this russell wilson situation the broncos clearly had this focus build ready to go contend it didn't work should they tear it all down what should we talk about but first lauren give me your take on where did this go wrong what was the broncos mistake here well that's the thing right the, the mistake is is so layered it's hard to just like look at Hackett in a vacuum and say well he was a bad coach because like yes obviously there were you know, in-game decision-making things, a lot of the things that you try and isolate, like, okay, what is the, the head coach most solely responsible for or most having, having the strongest individual impact and influence on? And it felt like in a lot of even those areas, Hackett wasn't hacking it. Uh, <laughs> I, I already <laughs> did that joke on the thumbnail. You can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so it's like, like surface level, yeah, you can see the like direct impacts of inept head coaching there, but you start to unravel the layers here a little bit more and more when, you know, the whole off season and the whole plan is all about bringing in Russell Wilson and maybe getting more out of him than we saw the last season in, in Seattle and getting him back to a, a higher level of play here and hiring the offensive head coach coming from the, well, I guess the LaFleur system from the Shanahan McVay right. system. That's your next McVay to, guy. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the next hot young, you know, offensive minded head coach candidate to come in here and have such offensive ineptitude. I mean, that's, that's really what this boils down to. And it, then it becomes a chicken and the egg thing with Russell Wilson, right? It's like, how much do you blame Hackett for Russell mm -hmm. Wilson? And how much do you blame Russell Wilson for Hackett? Yeah. I, I, I think for me, the Hackett thing felt like a very transparent ploy to get Aaron Rodgers into yeah. Denver. We saw all those rumors over the off season. We covered many of them on this here show on this here day of the week uh, with me and Ross. And I think me and you sometimes, um, but the, I think the mistake there is I, just going for it with the assumption that if you take Hackett, Aaron Rodgers is coming to. If you listen to Peter at Locked On Packers or anybody in the Packers world talk about Hackett, it, his job was guy who makes Aaron Rodgers happy and not much else. And there wasn't a lot of evidence <laughs> that he was going to be good at coaching. And I mean, we saw it from week one clock management debacles, like totally losing uh, track of how many timeouts and what the clock situation was 
all the way through the season, they had problems like this. Not only that, but then add the offensive ineptitude on top of it. And I think it's that is why, like, I never had this opinion of Hackett that he was going to be the offensive whiz that McVeigh was or that people off that McVeigh tree have been. You know, like, I, I didn't even see a Zach Taylor in him. And when the Viking, when my Vikings hired Kevin O'Connell, I was like, okay, this feels like a Zach Taylor where they just kind of took a guy off the tree and we'll see what, how it works. Working out great first year, um, worked out great in Cincinnati too. They went to the Super Bowl last year and they look great again this year. Um, but it didn't feel that way. It felt like they just took a guy that like Aaron Rodgers liked and maybe they could swing a trade through that. And then that fell through. They grab Russell Wilson and you go, all right, well, you know, you've got Russell Wilson. We know how good he is and it's been a disaster. I feel like Russell Wilson deserves a little bit more of a shot in Denver with a real coach who knows how to coach. And I feel pretty comfortable placing most of this blame on Nathaniel Hackett. And even if I'm wrong there, the Denver Broncos absolutely from like a PR perspective can get away with that. They can say, yeah, no, we, we got Hackett. He wasn't the right guy for the job. Let's get the right guy for the job in and see if we can't have somebody fix Russell Wilson. And they can start a whole season on that premise and like still sell tickets. So I think they can get away with that. But I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they should get rid of Russell Wilson? The, the dead cap is insane. They can technically get away with it June 1st, but I'm pretty sure that makes 2024 pretty infeasible. So uh, I don't know. What, what do you think about how where Denver stands with the Russell Wilson situation? Yeah, I, I feel similarly, similarly to you that I, I'm not ready to just fully say Russell Wilson is washed up and there's no salvaging anything that he can do in his career. Like, certainly, I think there's evidence of aging and I think he's, he's slowing down in some of the ways that that Russell will, that the quarterbacks tend to slow down. And especially, I think, quarterbacks of his style of play. But I also think, you know, we're still seeing him generally, you know, take care of the ball at a similar rate. He's not turning the ball over. I mean, at a, at, like at a, at a per pass attempt basis, it's not overly high in terms of like PFF's turnover worthy throws and stuff. He's just not making as many of the big plays. And I think, you know, we came in with such high expectations for Russell Wilson, given how much they traded for him. I don't think just justifiably so. And obviously he fell short of those expectations, but just because he's not at that level doesn't mean he can't still be a winning quarterback in the NFL, maybe not a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of steps between here and there, but I think he's a guy that can take care of the football, can can do a lot of things to help make your team successful. And now that we sort of get past the, okay, expectations, everything everything imploded, you're restarting from ground one. Can he be a guy that helps you win? I, I think he can be, again, with the right coaching staff in place and you know continuing to try and support him. I, I think it's at least worth a try considering how, just how married they are to Russell yeah. Wilson. I mean, just looking at the contract, if they were to cut Russell Wilson post June 1st, which actually takes a lot of the dead money and, and shoves it into the next season, they're still out over 17 million or $17 million more than they would have paid if they just benched Russell Wilson, but kept him on the roster. Like it's more expensive to cut him than it is not to cut him. Um, and they would have a, a $39 million dead cap hit on the books. Now they and they wouldn't be out of the woods. They would still have, uh, I believe, $35 million on the books next year. That's $70 million over the next two years. Check my math on that. I'm looking at it real fast. Uh, but it's it's. I don't think that that's feasible. And I think if there is a world, like if you are looking at all the different outcomes and you're like looking at, at the, the fates through the like tree in Valhalla, 
Um, <laughs> and you're looking at all the different ways that this works out and you see that there is any way where Russell Wilson turns out in Denver, you need to be chasing that outcome. That is the only outcome that gets anybody out of this still employed by the Denver Broncos. I'm talking about George Payton and everybody else on that front office staff. Um, there needs to be a world where Russell Wilson works out in Denver and you have to chase that outcome. So uh, if you need to give up on Russell Wilson, do it in a couple of years. But in those couple of years, you might as well try to bring in a coach and see if they can't put this together while you still have guys like Cortland Sutton in the building, while you still have guys like Patrick Sertan on a, on a, on a rookie contract. They have talent in Denver, and I think it's worth trying to make that work it if you ask me but there are other teams that maybe should be following in denver's footsteps so who else should go we love to to pour one out for teams here on the lockdown nfl podcast on tuesdays ross and i love to when ross is in he is currently uh battling blizzards so (laughs) (laughs) that's where he is um but yeah we, we love to pour one out for teams let's pour one out for some coaches and see like who are we ready to say goodbye to after 2022 uh we'll get into that next you know some of these teams are gonna have to make some really difficult head coaching decisions and it's one of my favorite parts about being able to play like you know franchise mode on madden and some of the other game systems (laughs) but i sometimes don't feel like we get enough enough control over these things and that's why i've been really spending more time than i should playing the ultimate football gm mobile game it's one of our new sponsors and partners here on locked on podcast network because it puts you in complete control over your awesome. franchise. It's it's really a lot of fun. It's addicting and it, it's a great way to pass the time, especially, you know, if you're waiting somewhere for, you know, waiting in line for something or a doctor's office or waiting for an appointment or something, you can just go on your phone and manage your team. You can kind of roll through seasons pretty quickly. It gives you as much or as little as a control as you want. You can you can micromanage every decision if you want. You can simulate the ones that you don't want to have to deal with, but hiring and firing coaches, you know, free agency, NFL draft, you know, setting adjustments during the season and working on sponsors. I mean, it's, it's the business end and it's the football end and it's really a lot of fun. It's, it's challenging, it's realistic, and it's completely free and playable offline. So you can play on the go as you want and when you want to. We've got a little Locked On Podcast Network League with all of our hosts in here trying to get our teams to get to the Super Bowl and compete and, and get as many wins under our belts, but easier said than done. It's something you really got to try out. It's, it's a lot of fun. Locked On NFL listeners are going to get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game score. That's all capitals Locked On. So make sure to check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com, promo code Locked On. Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty today. Thanks again for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today, where our NFC North cohort, Peter Bukowski, is going over all the biggest games and headlines in the wide world of sports. Let's move on and from these putrid Denver Broncos, all right? Enough talk about the Broncos, enough embarrassment on the national stage. Let's talk about other embarrassing teams that need to fire their head coaches. So we love to pour one out for those who are dead in the water. Uh, dead teams walking as it were but what about some dead coaches walking so i'll i'll start us off i think it is absolutely beyond time to say goodbye to cliff kingsbury i'm honestly kind of surprised it hasn't happened already uh just so that arizona can get a, a head start on their next coaching search they've already parted ways with steve Kime. he took his leave of absence due to health but then it came out that they're just going to part ways with him permanently anyways um they've had 
problems in their front office and they've had scandal in the coaching staff. They've had all sorts of issues um, in their in their personnel. Injuries have played some role, but can't be really blamed for everything that Cliff Kingsbury offense. It's just it's it's figured out. It was really interesting for the first part of the season, two years in a row with Kyler Murray. Um, but that that like option heavy kind of thing that that Cliff Kingsbury does teams have answers to it and Kingsbury clearly doesn't have the ability to sort of morph and change as the leagues changes the locks as uh, Doug Farrar put it. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's time for the Cardinals to move on from Cliff Kingsbury. Plus the feud, the like very public feud with Kyler Murray, who is yeah. m- chained to that organization. Um, you need to get Kyler Murray in the room and you need to get, his input on what kind of coach he wants and you need to let that help influence the next guy. This ain't working in in Arizona. It is, it is beyond time. And it feels like because they're already getting rid of people, there's not really much use in hanging on to the head coach, unless you just want to say Steve Kime was the problem. Now everything's fixed and I don't know, go win five games again next year. There's some, some minor similarities to Denver there, right? Where it's like, well, you got the, the quarterback has the contract that you just really can't. I mean, not that they would even want to get rid of, Murray in the way that the Broncos want to get rid of Wilson, but like you are so regardless of what the quarterback is doing, you're so married to that contract and so locked into the guaranteed money that you just gave him that it's really the coach that has to be shown the door there. If if that partnership was to go to a divorce and really uh really dissolve in that way, and Kingsbury is so interesting because like he was a guy that was not a very successful college coach in terms of wins and losses. I mean, obviously, you know Texas Tech that offense was was big name and Coach Patrick Mahomes and all that, but like. We knew he wasn't exactly a, a college winner coming in and comes to the NFL, and lo and behold, not exactly a major winner in the NFL too. And not that win loss record is always the perfect reflection of exactly how good the coaches are, but it's it's kind of a it's kind of rough sledding there for him. And yeah, I mean he's he's very handsome, and it's going to be hard to, to not see his face on Sundays anymore. But it does definitely feel like that's <laughs> something that, that's coming. And that and, smooth, and, luscious and, and baritone on hard knocks. Oh yeah, it's it's great. But something to keep in mind here with with the timing of the Broncos firing, and as we think about other teams, is that the NFL changed the rules a couple of seasons ago, where you can start doing head coach interviews in the final two weeks of the regular season. Oh, that's so that's right. That's why some people are saying that's why the Broncos decided to make the move. Now they, they've sort of found that it hasn't accelerated when teams hire their head coach, but it does make things easily for easier for scheduling for trying to get coaches in the building to, to interview sure. them and get get a head start on some of that process to at least kind of. You know, give the ownership more time to start thinking about what they're going to do there. So I'm I'm a little surprised we haven't seen somebody like Cliff fired. But if there's no general manager in place, I don't know whose whose authority it is to fire a, a Cardinals head coach at this point, or if the owner just steps in after the season and says, <laughs> "It will probably you know, all yeah. right, it's my turn." It's it's time to just let's get rid of all of it and let's. That's how the Wolves did it with Minnesota with Spielman and Zimmer. They said we're just going to clear it and let's bring in our own guys and we'll and we'll lead this charge. Another thing with Cliff too is you know in the same way that I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett actually is a good coach. He just like coached Aaron Rodgers, and he was, it was kind of Aaron Rodgers was the reason Hackett was getting, and maybe it's the same thing with cliff and Patrick Mahomes. Maybe, maybe cliff Kingsbury just coached Patrick Mahomes at Texas tech and then got a head coaching job with Kyler Murray, hoping you could kind of do the same thing and make him into a little mini Mahomes. Um, and it just, it just hasn't worked out, but, but Lauren, tell me what, who do you think we should be, uh, sounding red alarm, red flag alerts for, maybe getting uh, canned in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's it's interesting because right the title of this podcast is who else should be fired. And I'm I'm torn about Lovey Smith because like 
I, I don't, I, mean, I think he's going to be fired, but, and I just, I certainly don't think Lovey Smith is some like, you know, perfect head coach who should, they should really hold on to at all costs. But I, I also feel like kind of like Hackett, like he was thrown in one of these situations that's going to be really difficult to work with here and just kind of given an opportunity here. On, and now he's, he's just sort of the placeholder coach who's going to be fired while they go around for another head coaching cycle at some point. And obviously they're not good. They're, they're in line for the number one overall pick right now. And it's not so much a defensive like Lovey Smith as a, as a great coach, but just like a, we didn't expect anything different. I don't think he failed to meet expectations. This was expectations was you, you would lose a lot. And so it, it feels un a little unfair to him, but we knew it was unfair to him going into this head coaching job. So like, I, I don't want to say he should be fired, but he should be prepared to be fired because it definitely feels like it's coming. Is there a functional difference between the situation presented to Lovey Smith and the situation presented to Matt Eberflus? I'm asking because you do the Bears. I mean, yeah. these are these are guys presented with like JV rosters. I mean, just absolutely cannot expect a Davis Mills led team or whatever the the Bears have have been fielding this year to actually win games and be competitive. And obviously, Eberflus has. I mean, his seat, it's ice cold. The Bears know what they're doing, and they and they they are in a rebuild year. And it's there, there's no world at all where you would be asking this question but it's because of the texans and, and who they have been and um you know what happened last year and all of that and how it kind of seems like they just want josh mccown <laughs> yeah um, you, yes is there yeah. is there a functional difference it's stability in ownership in the front office that's the only okay, difference yeah, there it is well let's have the uh we got a minute here what about josh mcdaniels in in las vegas <laughs> Uh, we yeah. know he can't be fired because of the <laughs> financial situation in Las Vegas. For those who are unaware, basically because of the John the John Gruden contract and because he was fired so early into it, and um, the the Raiders have this huge like kind of bloat on the books. And I'm not talking about the salary cap. I'm talking about like their actual finances as a business. And to do the same thing with Josh McDaniels because of the contract he is in, the the organization literally can't afford to to take on another big hit like that. Um, so they like can't fire McDaniels, but should he, or is this a first year head coach getting the, getting his lumps out, have the Raiders? I mean, they're still in, in the hunt graphics. They were just on one on Monday night football. So is this a bad enough season to justify that? Or does he deserve maybe another chance to pull things together? Devonte Adams, second year leap, that whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because this was his second chance, right? This is not a true first year head coach. Like even yeah, like Hackett, enough. you kind of wonder like, you know, could you give him a second year and now he's done it before a little bit and can tweak the offense and isn't, this isn't all fresh and brand new for him trying to figure it out. Josh has been through this before and it didn't go well the first time. And so the second time you're, maybe it's confirmation bias, but you're kind of looking around waiting for it to go bad and you're seeing it kind of go bad and you're like, oh, are we, here we go again, right? Are we going through some of the same things? But I will say one of the big things from Denver his first time around was, you know, losing the locker room and everything completely falling apart off the field. And I'm not tied into the Raiders organization that, that way, but it seems like, you know, there's still the strong relationship between Carr and, and Adams. And it seems to be, if, as far as a six win team can go, it's not a complete dumpster fire of things falling apart in that locker room. There seems to be some level of unity there. And we've seen that McDaniels has been a smart offensive mind at multiple steps along his career. So I think, I think there's still more reason to be patient with someone like him than, you know, than Hackett, who we keep coming back to here only because of, some of the obvious reasons we already talked about for Hackett, whereas McDaniel has some some coaching bona fides from his time, obviously in New England with with under the Bill Belichick tree. But there are some real translatables there for offensive football, even if there's still questions about really like that head coach CEO role outside of Belichick's grasp. 
<laughs> right. If you're trying to be Belichick, you're probably trying something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it is not quite a dumpster fire, but there are things that are dumpster fires and those will be our yikes of the week. Respectively, we each get one yike and that's going to be next. We're going to talk about things that happened this week that make us say yike. Sometimes what makes me say yike is some of these daily fantasy platforms when you see the other people's lineups and then versus your own lineups and you're like, ah, oh, geez, like I, I didn't stand a chance against what some of these other players. It's 10,000 people. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, 10,000 lineups. And, and OK, well, now I'm just a lottery ticket chance in this lineup. Right. But that's what I like about our friends at prize picks, because it's a different way to do daily fantasy sports that puts me or you or anybody playing in complete control because you're not competing against other people. It's just you versus the prize picks projections. You pick two to five players, and if they'll score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry, not only for your favorite NFL games, but across all of pro and amateur sports, some of the obscure sports about like tennis and disc, golf, cricket, and so much more. And no matter the sport, it's really easy to enter. It really just takes 60 seconds or less. Just download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with our promo code LOCKED ON. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Just don't forget to enter that promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. So, time for our Yike of the Week. Uh, this is something Ross and I have really enjoyed doing all season at the end of our show. Just talking about something that made us say, yike. Uh, for me, my yike is going to be from the Miami Dolphins again. Uh, yeah, we all saw that to a tongue of Iloa collapse at the end of the game. Three interceptions, the game on the line, total catastrophe. And that could in and of itself be deserving of the yike of the week because those were bad interceptions. If they weren't miscommunications, then it gives you serious questions about um, Tua, Tua's capability to play in that moment. And further adding to those questions, it uh, was pretty easy to miss. And I certainly missed it when I was watching that game. But later it was pointed out, I saw it on Twitter, there was a play where Tua was scrambling out of the pocket. He barely got the ball away as he was getting tackled. And he hit the ground in such a way that his head really bounced off it. And with Tua being at the center of this concussion controversy earlier in the season, he's already suffered two this year. Um, it makes me very worried <laughs> about Tua's ability to uh, sustain a third concussion in like two months. That's terrible for you. I mean, that's, that's long-term, really, really scary stuff. And... Not only the NFL didn't catch this. I mean, Tua played the rest of that game. And statistically, if you split the game up at that moment, suddenly Tua's stats go into the drain. And you, it just, you have to wonder was he playing concussed? Would that cause, you know, erratic throws or timings to be crazy off or something like that? And if so, I mean, that was a clearly potentially concussive hit. Was there, we have to ask these questions of Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphins staff again. Again. <laughs> Did we go through the protocol here? Did the concussion spotter flag it? Did the concussion spotter miss it? If so, how can we make it so the concussion spotter doesn't keep missing these possibly concussive hits? Um, that whole situation to me, it just reeks. It really just stinks. Um, and I can't 
get this idea out of my head that that Tua, unless he's self-reported, which we know we can't really rely on players to do, even though if, if you're an NFL player and you're listening to this, if you had a head, if you have a headache, please tell the trainer. We we care about you. <laughs> um, but we can't have a system that relies on that because we know that players are wired to not do that, to, to not take themselves out of a game because they have a headache, to try to tough it out. Um, we need people looking out for these kids uh, and these, especially the younger, the kids, the younger people, the, the rookies and whatnot. We, we need people looking out for these guys. These guys put their lives on the line for our entertainment. We we need to take care of them in return. Um, it really sucks. And if that is why the Miami Dolphins are now in a precarious playoff position too. I mean, that sucks super bad for Dolphins fans. Um, I think the Dolphins organization has a lot more questions to answer and it's not the first time they have to answer them this year. And that is just one big yike. Yeah, it's, it's a big one. And you know, like it's, it's an important one too. Like I know we, we like the yike to be a little bit more like silly and lighthearted, but I think it's, it's, it's an important conversation and I'm glad we're having it. So uh, for me, I, I was, that was good. I was, if you didn't go to that one, that was where I was going to go first. Oh, first I stole your story. <laughs> no, no, I, I was like, I earmarked that one. I was like, if he doesn't say it, I'm going to go there. But if he doesn't, I, I was I was prepared. Don't worry. Uh, for me, it's it's a team you and I are both familiar with. The red hot Detroit Lions go into Carolina and you're thinking, oh, oh they've won six out of the last seven and they're rolling right now. Their offense is firing on all cylinders. Their defense has really been shutting teams down. Sam Darnold and the, you know, the, the ex Matt rule Carolina Panthers. I mean, they're just they're kind of floundering a little bit. They, I mean, they've had well, some moments. Speaking of one year wonder coaches. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, but for 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 Foreman and Hubert to Chuba Hubert to go for combined for like 190 yards on the ground in that game, and I mean the Lions' running game completely falls apart. That defense it just collapses in a way that was really unexpected. And and, and Sam Darnold, you know, Loki making some nice plays out there, looking a little bit more like the the Sam Darnold that we saw years ago. So big yike from the Detroit Lions blowing it at this level. I mean, it's, they're not out of the playoffs as a result of this loss, but you felt like you know, in this kind of a stretch run that they've been on, you got to win the easy ones, or at least make sure you win the expected ones, even if we don't want to call it easy, but win the ones you're supposed to win in this kind of a stretch. And, a, you know, a, a, what was a five-win Panthers team at the time, which is all of a sudden finds itself in second place in their division. But that, that was when the Lions needed to win and needed to kind of keep their momentum rolling here. And I mean, they got the Bears this week, so I, I think they'll get another W coming up here. But <laughs> big yikes for the Lions, uh, really uh, crapping the bet on that one. And, and and getting back to more like the Lions football we were used to seeing. <laughs> it's same old Lions, right? Yeah, man, they were plucky and fun. And now all of that air has just been like taken out of it by by one loss. And the, these these Lions road woes continue. And I'm going to bring it up. Jared Goff famously needs a lot of help from his coach in identifying stuff pre-snap. They need to get to the line before 15 seconds before the mic cuts out so that Jared Goff can can get information from his coach because he's struggled with that since he was a rookie with McVay, um, a rookie with Jeff Fisher even. Um, <laughs> but yike. <laughs> yike, yeah, that has been a famous struggle of Jared Goff's. Now, maybe that's a four-year-old story and he's long past that, but... Guy struggling on the road with crowd noise. I don't know. It seems to add up that that might, that that might still be a problem uh, with the Detroit Lions. And if they are going to be the seven seed, then they have to go on the road and they have to figure out how to play on the road. They have to figure out how to beat the Bears and then they'll have to beat the Packers as well. Reasonable shot that that week 18 game is a winning in if uh, Washington loses it. 
you're going to have to go play at Lambeau and then you're going to have to play at San Francisco or Minnesota. And then you're going to have to play at Philly. If you want this season to be anything, you're going to have to figure out how to play on the road. And if you want next season to be anything, you'll have to do better on the road than you did this year. I feel like for Lions fans, like so a lot of this season at this point is probably kind of like gravy for them. You know, like I don't I don't know that Lions fans were expecting to be right in the wild card playoff hunt exactly at this stage, especially once they were one and six. Right. Maybe maybe before the season, you were hopeful. But there was a stretch of that season where I think everyone was pretty resigned that it would be another bad Lions season. And so I think if I were a Lions fan, I'd be feeling like, yeah, like you want to get in the playoffs and stuff. But if, if you finish this season just on the outside, you're not going like, oh, man what a disappointment. We didn't meet expectations. Like I, to me, they're sort of already the fun team that's having fun and being the fun surprise. And if they fall a little short of that, no one's going to be coming down on them. I, I will just say though, the, the Carolina Panthers in that game had 520 yards of offense, which was even more than the Rams had in their 51, 14 win over the Broncos. <laughs> Sam Darnold, the company, 520 yards of offense. I think it was number one in the, in the, in the league that week. Uh, a quick yike to the Broncos. We've already talked about them firing yes. Nathaniel Hackett over it. The whole first segment was that yike there. Just, wow. I mean, 51 points to Baker Mayfield and and the Rams. Baker, who has been there for like three weeks still, like absolutely no expectation that he should be shredding one of the better defenses in the league the way that that, that game did. And I know there's a lot of defensive stuff in that game, too. But uh, oh, big whew. week, big week for failed 2018 NFL draft quarterbacks, Darnold and Mayfield. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Renaissance. <laughs> It's time. Let's see what Josh Josh Rosen just joined the Vikings practice squad. Let's see oh, what's going go. on there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's a, this is getting off the rails, so it's probably time to wrap Yikes. things up. Thank you all so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. Check out Locked On Sports today. Check out Locked On, your favorite team, whichever one it is. There's a Locked On for it. We'll see you all tomorrow with Tony and James breaking down whatever other shenanigans go on in the NFL. See you all tomorrow.